Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today, per usual, out of my tiny kitchen in my tiny studio apartment in what is now chilly San Francisco. Today I'm joined by Jamie Reempon Lee. Hi, Jamie. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Um, and for any first-time listeners out there, our purpose here is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. So Jamie works with Hire Heroes USA and has quite the history working with veterans over the past 10 years. So Jamie, can you share a little about what you do currently and um, a little about your career history up to this point? Yeah, sure. So at Hire Heroes USA, I work in corporate engagement and matching. And for me, that's really about recruiting vets and how do we get them in, uh, to get hired at a company, which for me, it's like my, my overall cause is like helping with diversity and inclusion. And that's kind of where my heart is. But with veterans, it's a lot harder during their transition. So with this organization, we're really helping you know, them transition from learning how to do a resume, provide them career counseling, show them how to network by doing, um, by giving them the step-by-step of how you go to job fairs. So we try to offer professional development, even mock interviews, um, if, if, we, if we need to help them with that. But um, what I do, um, not on the client service end, so if the folks are, you know, done working with their transition specialists and ready with a resume, I work with them to um, connect them to our employers. So I work with a lot of employers expressing um, how great veterans are and basically pitching to them about what is, why it is a good cause and what that does to a company. Mm-hmm. So I recruit employers and we have them use different products of what we, we offer for employers, which is a job board, virtual career fairs. And um, I'm trying to create online training courses for free for employers so that they can understand military culture, how to create a program for vets, recruiting, onboarding, and retention. Mm -hmm. So that's still in progress. It's going to take me until 2018 to get that done. But my my true, you know, aspirations of, you know, being part of this veteran community is to really help get get them adapted into a new corporate culture. And I think that's what's the challenge is that you go from a military culture that's very regimented, you're told what to do, mm-hmm. that there's not a lot of opportunities for them to think outside the box. And when you go into a corporate culture, everything is about marketing yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do at Hire Heroes USA is to teach them how to market themselves and then also show that there's a value to hiring a veteran. So that's where my job comes in to uh, show what, like talk on behalf of the veteran and marketing their skills mm-hmm. and, and go ahead and look at some of the job descriptions and try to source veterans from our, from our clients or from our caseloads to, to refer over to, to companies. So um, I don't know if you want me to kind of explain a little bit about my other career history. Yeah. Like how did you, so I guess I was looking at your, um, your LinkedIn. Ah, you linked it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> you stalked me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw that you were, uh, you majored in art history. I know. At UCI, which is awesome, and then also global cultures. So, like, did you always want to work with veterans, yeah. or you know, more like you know, work uh, 
but I, I, you know, the whole diversity and inclusion. Um, I don't I think don't I even knew what I wanted to do. Okay. So I first started off at college. I'm like, I love art. I was like, I'm not going to make money making art. So I'm going to learn about it uh-huh. and do it That's in a museum cool. or like sell art, you know, art stuff. And I realized how hard it is to do that role as well. So I was like, ah, I really care about helping causes. And so going in college, you're exposed to so many hippies. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I really wanted to do, to spend my time helping people. And so I wanted to do more international studies. So I got into global cultures as a shortcut to double major. And I really wanted just to help people. That was really mm-hmm. my goal. Coming out of college, I ended up wanting to do environmental work. It was just mm. crazy. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. So I started off at Coastkeeper, realized how, how bad I was. At, and it wasn't bad, but it was just more like I was not as passionate. Is that like a like an ocean-related nonprofit? That's exactly. what it sounds like. Okay. Keepers. Like it, it's like a keeper. <laughs> yeah, Coastkeeper. Like I'm protecting yeah. the ocean. Yeah. So it, it's about water quality and okay. making sure you know, the life in the water is like surviving. And like you just – the idea is protecting the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing marketing and fundraising, which – as a newly college like grad, that is really hard to get someone to start selling right mm-hmm. off the bat. So it was definitely a $13 an hour job um, doing it for a year and then applying to Craigslist to find another company that had things. I'm like, I think I could do that job. So mm-hmm. it was uh, another marketing job. I was like, okay, pays more. I'm going to try this. I apply. Once I put my year end, I was like, okay, I'm going to be done with environmental work because I'm not good at it. It's like, I think I can sell people better. (laughs) Uh, Sure. And didn't do too well at that job where they reassigned me a different position as like a, like a a counselor for a a cohort of people. Mm -hmm. That's when I started helping people in workforce development was from there, which Mm -hmm. I never thought I would work with people. Yeah. I thought I was going to do art or be in another country. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Which is so interesting to, like, help other people with their careers so early in your career. So, like, how are you able to do that? Like, where do you pull, I don't know, your advice from or... Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I I knew I was scrappy. Mm-hmm. I knew I was super scrappy. And when I was in college, so not a lot of people... And I did not have this on my resume. Some companies I did not want to list when I was in school. So I had to work full-time while I was in college so I learned the hard way mm-hmm. about applying to jobs mm-hmm. because I had to do it ongoingly when I was in school. So I knew that I had to be scrappy for that. And I took what I learned from that to apply it to my jobs. And so what I really, what the foundation was, was just to help people. And whether it be Google, Googling everything or asking questions or mm-hmm. It was just searching and it, it had nothing to do with my prior background. It just had to be, it just it was me working hard and trying to figure out like getting steps and advice and, and just what you learned in college, you kind of have to verify the information. I mean, Wikipedia was not the place to go. So you would just keep looking for sources that were reputable and you just kept searching until you, you did it. And people don't know how to do that, which is right. really funny. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. yeah, that's really fascinating. And then, my other question, I think, um, going back to what you do with Hire Heroes, so I'm not as familiar with um, the programs that they have yeah. available in the military. So, oh. do you guys work directly with the military? Do they have their own job, pro- like transitioning programs, or do you guys work kind of independent from 
the military. So we work independent. Everything's very collaborative. So mm. you partner with certain bases or certain organizations that are more involved as a government contractor. So the USO is mm. one. Um, and then I think RP6 is another. So our we want to work independent from any government contract. So all the mm. money is up to our own discretion of where we mm. want to put it, which is mostly programs, which I think 98%, and I might may be misquoting this, but it's in the high 90s to go directly to, towards programs. Uh, so they wanted that flexibility. If we were to be under the government, it would be completely specific towards different performance goals and different criteria. And the, our organization is not like that, um, which is why I really love working for them. Um, the military does have a career center where they have people like family, family services or family support programs. However, they're not utilized because the veterans that go through these programs are really just trying to make it through each deployment and each duty station that they've been trans transferred over. So a lot of times they get underutilized. And the most of the time that they are being utilized is through like the wounded warrior battalion. So folks mm. who've gotten back and been medically separated, they are the ones are looking to towards these programs the most because uh, they need to know what their next steps are because they thought they're going to be in their service for another 10 years. Yeah. So there are TAPs, they're called transition assistant programs, mm -hmm. uh, where if someone will uh, separate, they're, they know they're going to be separating, so they're required to go through courses and there's no way someone's going to know what they're going to do when they go to those classes. So it's like, it's kind of like death by PowerPoint. You know, you're mm -hmm. just getting talked to, but you're really not there. Yeah. So it, it's, okay. it's still in the works. I think they're trying to make it better. Yeah. So um, I don't know if this is, you know, if this has become kind of like your dream job, if this is what you're going to do forever. But my next question is, was there a moment where you felt that you like, broke into the industry or the role that you want to be in? It could be this role or maybe it hasn't happened yet. I think I'm still waiting for it, but I think that it's clicked for me at this job. I've been doing so many case manager types of roles where it, it burns you out. So there are so many great people that do this kind of work, either social work or working mm -hmm. in workforce development, but the types of grants are offered and the way that people run business um, for a nonprofit, it's not really catering to the ratio of like a person with the number of clients. So every person I've met or every nonprofit and every role that they've had, the, the worker is always overworked and burnt out. And so mm -hmm. there's either compassion fatigue or that you know, they're, the money is not enough for the type of work that they're doing. Yeah. So they're not valued enough um, from what I've seen. And so for what, being at Hire Heroes USA – I was really surprised with, you know, how much they put into account of like the market, you know, the, what the economy is in the different cities. So they pay so that you can survive where you're living at. Mm -hmm. So being here has made me realize that nonprofit work could be something I could still pursue financially to sustain my living. But they've, they've seen my work and come into fruition being at Hire Heroes USA. They, they knew about my past, but they didn't really know how that looked like. And because of all the hard work and relationships I developed when I was their um, area manager for Los Angeles office, uh, they were thinking that she has great strengths of developing relationships. I want to see what we can take this. And this is the first mm -hmm. time I've ever been at a company who would love to take my ideas. And if they say there's a return 
on investment that they would pursue it. And so Mm -hmm. this is, I don't think I've ever had a project like this before Mm -hmm. where they're spending time with me, where they will let me do my research, come Mm -hmm. up with a curriculum, put together a whole presentation to become an online course, all based on my, my own research. Yeah. Never has ever happened. So I feel like I'm breaking in now. Mm Um, but I don't think I'm at like the full potential of being broken into like the industry that I'm really going to, which I think I really care about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so uh, have you been able to incorporate those, your like personal, I guess, initiatives yes. into your day-to-day work? Yeah. So I think that was like, I think my story about working in veterans doesn't make sense to anybody because I don't have a family of veterans and right. I, I'm not married to a veteran. And I'm not a veteran, but I care about people and what their story is about. And which is why uh, at any time that you're looking for a job, you look for what your best assets are and what your prior experience has been. And so it's been easy for me to to get the jobs I've gotten because I worked with vets. And that's been the hot topic to helping the most. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I learned how to make every job apply to an interest for myself. Whether it be my own personal goals and then when you come to a review with your boss, you can give them ideas of what you want to do. And if they they really see that you have the strength to do it, like they'll give you the full support. But of course, like in, in mind of your own responsibilities. But it really just takes the initiative to ask what you want to do mm-hmm. and make it to be what you want to do. So yeah. I think that it it just the results showed and like the passion I showed for the things I cared about came up in my work and it almost became, which is not often, but it almost aligned itself where they're getting, um, what they would want for their company. And I'm getting what I'm wanting mm-hmm. where I'm growing in this career and feeling challenged by it, yeah. where it's not a lot for a lot of careers, but I feel like if you present yourself well and work your butt off, then you're going to get a lot more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So in, in your career so far, we've talked about, you know, how you are doing, kind of like or putting together these uh, programs where you do career coaching and stuff have you in your career so far had a mentor and are you maybe outside of your official position like are you a mentor to others yeah definitely so I've had several mentors and they're all been like my prior bosses Um, but the one that I've had the most like relationship of She's, she's like 10 plus years older than me and her, and I will name drop. Her name is Bridget Cruz. <laughs> she was my last boss in my last company. And it's only because we were, we're like, I'm not going to like lie. We both are born on the same week in November. It's like, I like uh-huh. to believe we have very similar characteristics, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but we think so similarly. And I feel like she's like the future me. Like I can tell characteristically that she is like me 10 years later. Uh-huh. So I go to her for everything where it comes from quality of life, balancing your work life. She's like, you're a workaholic. Like I was a workaholic like you, like you need to stop. Mm -hmm. And she made me understand what she could have done differently when she was younger. And she imposes those views on me. And I was like, I don't like when people try to impose their views, but she was actually being overprotective, which I loved because Mm -hmm. it was about me and not about the job. Mm -hmm. And she knew I cared. So she understood the whole picture of like helping people and you know, she has her master's in psychology. She's super intelligent. She's such a great leader. And I, I definitely look up to her and always ask her advice from work to boys to family. And she's just really just gets the whole picture. Mm. Um, and then because of what she does, 
and I always call her my big sister um, because of what she does. Like I, I think that continues kind of the line of helping because mm-hmm. you get inspired and you want to share as much as you can with someone that yeah. inspires you. And it's not that like, I don't feel like I like see that I'm coming from a position of power and teaching, but I think it comes from a genuine place where you really want to love someone and, and, and care about them and see where they go. So I definitely have, um, you know, one of the, my, uh, was one of our prior students in our program. And once she was out, you know, we were still in contact, but she, I see her as my little mentee. Mm-hmm. I call her my kid sister, which a big sister and she's my kid sister and they've never met before <laughs> but she looks up to me and she is afraid to talk about different topics with her parents and mm-hmm. uh, coming from a very you know machismo Mexican family so she feels really comfortable talking about sex about work about all these different things that I don't think she ever had anyone to really have a real talk mm-hmm. and uh, I it has nothing to do with me telling her what she should be doing it's really just having to listen yeah. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is just listening mm-hmm. to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really important to have. And I think like, like you were saying, it's not that you have power necessarily. I mean, yeah. I think you do on some level, but like having experienced the benefits of having a mentor and the difference that makes in your life, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you just naturally want to share, share that with other mm-hmm. people. So maybe to like transition to like a less positive question. <laughs> um, but I, I can talk is, about those for days. <laughs> but I think this is a really important question. And I ask everyone this question because like I think, you know, a lot of times when we talk about career, we talk about success. And so mm-hmm. I think it's also important to talk about like the bummer moments. So <laughs> like how great I am. Yeah. Like, that's not always there. I'm <laughs> not always this awesome. But or I mean, maybe the people, even the people around us aren't always awesome yeah. so what was your biggest career obstacle so far slash shittiest moment oh you can man think of? I can think of three wow okay. <laughs> very specific three okay. like one was and it almost makes you think about high school because it's like people talking about you and I'm a very mm. I seem very extroverted on the outside but I'm very introverted on the inside uh-huh. so I'm always like thinking of people hating me or upset with me mm. or like if I did something wrong so I remember when I first started uh, my job that was uh like three jobs ago um they people going to secret meetings and they were talking and it was about me and how I didn't fit in my role. And that's when oh. they had reassigned me to a different role. And I think that it was, I started to learn how to accept failure that way because then I was reflecting on it as opposed to getting angry. I don't get angry when stuff like that happens. I get disappointed in myself and pretty depressed. Yeah. yeah. So I had to think about what was I doing wrong and what could have done better. And then I, I was realizing now that I'm well beyond that time that it was just, it was not just me. It was just the way that leadership was, um, that played a role for me to learn how I can't control those failures because it just happens depending on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So that was one. And there was something relevant to the second, uh-huh. where the second one was my team getting laid off. Whoa. And this actually happened two times where my whole team's gotten laid off wow. and I was the one surviving. And that's actually, oh. I've actually gotten, I shouldn't use that loosely, but for a place where people, you know, 
relied on this as an income and you're their manager and leader trying to tell them what to do and how to survive through their performance um, and to see them get let go, you feel as a failure as a manager and as a leader because you're giving, you're painting them a, a dream that didn't really exist. So then it cuts the legs off of you thinking you really don't have anything to stand on. So how do you continue going when you lose your team? But you also get survivor's guilt. Like you're the one that's still getting an income while your team members are, are gone. And there's so much you can do for them because when you lose a team, that means that they doubled down on you to do mm-hmm. their work. Mm-hmm. So that's happened to me twice. That's actually uh, had, like I had to get like outside help, just like someone to like tell me how to get through that, which Bridget was like the person I talked to the most mm-hmm. about going through that. But it, it made me realize you can't like in any company you go to, you just have to be happy with what you're doing and, and how you're doing it and make sure that you're, you're working your hardest mm-hmm. and be proud of it. And if, if that job doesn't exist, that you're capable of finding another job because you were able to deal with that so Mm -hmm. I've learned that it's like a happy ending in the end that you realize you can survive any of this so I like to call myself a cockroach (laughs) (laughs) and I only say that because like when shit happens and the world is ending I somehow survive and I don't know why (laughs) I really don't know why I survive these things so I like to call myself a healthy cockroach I love that. Um, so I guess now going back to positive things, I mean, the cockroach thing is super positive. <laughs> so, so far in your career, uh, we talked about your shittiest moment, which was there were three of them. Uh, what was your biggest opportunity so far slash best moment? Oh, that's a good question. I think I, I want to say that I get a lot of best moments just because you get excited about the little things that happen because you work so hard and then all of a sudden something nice happens and you're just like pleasantly surprised of how someone's gone so far. Mm-hmm. And it, and a lot of it will have to do, I think, I'm trying to think like if it has to do with like personal goals or just seeing someone be successful. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because like in your line of work, you probably do you can actually see the results of your work, mm-hmm. you know, in the, you know, the, the veterans that you're helping, yeah. you know, being successful out in the workforce. So that's probably like yeah. a tactical or tactile thing. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I think it's really cool when you see them pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, like we were saying, that cycle of being like when you're nice to someone else, like it kind of continues on and you're being nice to other people. Yeah. Um, so I definitely have seen that. Or, like, whatever I had given assistance to, people preach the same information. Mm-hmm. And then you get – it's it the power of networking. So that's how it is, how it works, is that if someone likes what you did, they share what you did, and then they connect you to them. And that's mm-hmm. how it's, like, really infectious and it just spreads. So I have to say I think, like, the I, – I call them champions. Like, the people who, like, are the ones that continue on with your cause are the ones I think have been my best, best successes, I guess mm-hmm. we say, that – like they actually listen to me yeah. <laughs> and they care about it just uh-huh. as much as I care about it. And they're helping other people. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, That's a good feeling. So I guess to like go on to a little bit of a different path. So on this show, I also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or that are necessarily work-related. I know that you're very involved with a nonprofit called CASA. I don't know what that stands for. Um, did you want to talk about that <laughs> yes. a little bit? I love CASA. <laughs> um, it's called uh, Core Appointed Special Advocates. 
and um, actually it started here in San Francisco and it took spread to other locations and um, I, I, I support or I'm a, a volunteer and advocate in Orange County. I felt that I needed to be, because I work with veterans predominantly, they're not the youth that I used to work with and mm-hmm. I actually missed that type of energy in my life. I'm single. I don't have kids. I have a dog. She's very youthful, but not the type of youth I want. (laughs) So I I really listened. I think it was NPR that had tons of commercials about CASA, and it was about foster care or foster kids. Um, So what ends up happening is that the foster youth is getting some... When you think of Boys and Girls Club, you get matched up with someone like a big sister or big brother. It's kind of the same concept, except that you have more representation for your youth. So while they're going through this whole process of being a disarmed from your own family life and social life and whatnot, going through this whole social service system, you actually get paired with someone. So the court will uh, assign you a CASA. So they have a relationship with the courts mm-hmm. to be there as a mentor. Mm-hmm. And so I am a volunteer and I've been there for since November 2015, they train you. So these are people who have, they're not get, not getting any money from this. It's all unpaid. And it's really just helping people, um, helping youth get through the foster system. And it's mm-hmm. when they describe the stories and you go through this 30 hour training, the highlight stories where it, it's pretty impossible to survive. And then you get one person who cares. And that's how you notice how people overcome and and become more resilient because he had one person that cared and listened to them Mm -hmm. or maybe their parents weren't there or maybe the court system just the staff workers they're overworked they may have maybe 25 plus kids to one social worker it can't blame anybody it's just really how the system is set up uh so i wanted to be involved so i've been doing that since then and been paired with uh with the youth and i've loved it it goes through its cycle so if you think about I wouldn't compare it to having a kid of my own, but if you think about having a little sister who you're just like really bothered by them and hate them from time to time, and you realize you still love them, you still care about them, and so you know you're still there, and so the, yeah. the you don't have like it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends or caring to each other. It's just showing that you care, and sometimes it may not be exactly what she wants to hear or he wants to hear from you. Mm-hmm. It's really about being there consistently, that you're never going away. And so I think that's how my relationship blossomed, is Mm -hmm. that uh, we got along on... I I think we have a good time together, I hope. She thinks we have a good time (laughs) together. My kid thinks it's a good time with me. But I think think my youth comes to me because there's a trust Mm -hmm. that I will always be there, even, even if it's not, like, often, but I... I think my youth believes I can help her. Sure. Well, how long are how long are you have you been I guess assigned quote unquote oh, to yeah. the same person the whole time or have you? Yeah. Oh, you have. Okay. So I'm in. So your it's kind of like being assigned a mission. So when I relate it to veterans, it's kind of like the same mm-hmm. ice concept. You get one person mm-hmm. and you work with them until they are reunified with their family, okay. or if um, they become an uh, an adult. So okay. the age now has been extended. I know in Orange County it's extended to 26, I think. Wow. So we could be with them the entire time. Okay. Or I think it's when they, I, yeah, we can be with them the entire time. I might be misquoting that. But I know that you're with them until they become independent. Mm-hmm. And that by that point, you're helping them build those steps. So 
I'm with her until if it's four years or five years until like I can't do it anymore. So I my goal for me as 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 a volunteer for them is to be with one, you know, one kid at a time and then complete mm-hmm. that. And if I need to take a break, then take a break and then rejoin the organization. Yeah. But it's definitely, you just don't want to break up the consistency because then mm-hmm. that's, you're, no, you're another person that they see, see that has failed them. And I don't sure. want to be that failure to, to yeah. my kid. That's amazing. <laughs> like that on top of the, the work that you're already doing sounds, uh, sounds exhausting. But, but also, like, incredibly rewarding. Yeah. It, I, like I said, like, we may not like each other from yeah. time to time, but sure. it's just like, as long as you're there and then you realize it doesn't even, it becomes part of your lifestyle, so you don't mm-hmm. even think about it anymore. So now we have some listener questions. Um, I have about four for you. So the first question is um, uh, related to both the work that you do and um, your work with CASA. The question is, do you ever encounter compassion fatigue? And if so, how do you incorporate um, like self-care into your routine to ensure that it's like a sustainable thing for you? Oh, definitely. I've definitely had compassion fatigue. And that's when you can tell when work is work. And it's not that you're just going and the day flies by and you're just surprised that the day ended. You count the, the minutes and the hours about when you want to leave. And I definitely felt it. When uh, I started to lose faith in leadership, and then it it, it broke my way by my compassion for the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter anymore because then I lost. I didn't have an effect um, with what what my what my client service was. So once that happened, that was definitely like an indicator that I need to start searching for other opportunities in mm-hmm. employment. So that was the way that I helped that kind of case. But uh-huh. when it came to out of my control where like the work was there and you love the job, but there's just so much to do and you can't do it all. And self-care I've definitely done is that I got massages. Not going <laughs> to lie. That's really important. They, okay, and there's like something beneficial with someone like massaging you physically. Yeah. It like releases different chemicals. You feel good. And they were saying hugs really help. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I got hugged enough because I never <laughs> thought about that. So I paid for someone to give me a massage. <laughs> and it did such a big difference to my attitude. Not going to lie. I was just like, oh, this is amazing. What do I have to do tomorrow? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. So massages. Mm-hmm. But working out is such the best stress relief. Like mm-hmm. I, if I couldn't do my workouts, uh, or excuse me, my massages, I would definitely go for a run. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> and just let it out and endorphins mm-hmm. kicked in. And I, I, I worked in, well, I work in, oh, I live in Orange County, I work in LA. So my commute was always pretty bad. <laughs> so I try mm-hmm. to go super early, get a workout in, and it helped me tackle any weird thing that would happen in the office. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was, it rolled off where I remember not working out that it would affect me and it almost piled up by the end of the day where I would just end up eating and just eating chocolate and all this bad crap food. So I remember working out. I was like, oh my God, I learned the trick to to not let bad things affect you. And it was working out in the morning where I was on this high, a runner's high for the entire day. 
smooth. I wish I could run in the morning. I'm a runner, so but I can't do that. <laughs> but, now, but you love the feeling I right do. after, I run right? after work. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, I guess all of that, like, you know. Pent up. Like, pent up uh, stuff. And then I run it out after work and then I feel amazing. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, maybe, I mean, I wish I was a morning person so I could be. Well, and I lost it, so it's not, I need to bring okay. that back. Okay. It takes a while to maintain it. Not going to lie. Um, so our next uh, listener question is working with veterans and the military in general is kind of sometimes maybe kind of male dominated, a male dominated industry. And so has, has that been difficult as a woman working in this field or working with this population? Do you ever feel isolated or do you, what are the challenges that you've faced? So I actually think it helps being a non-vet and a woman to approach a guy who needs help. Mm. I feel like I'm not a competition to them or there's no ego issues when Mm. it comes to working with the opposite gender. But I do think that there are times where it could be even my age that could be a question, but because they can't tell like what my age is over the phone, if they meet me in person, it becomes a completely different interaction. You know, they, they see me as some, somebody different. Mm-hmm. So I will say that these folks who I've worked with, who, you know, made me feel uncomfortable or because they weren't uh, also in the right state of mind and their, they had mental health issues, mm-hmm. but it definitely was uncomfortable. And you just talk to your boss and your colleagues so that you can cope with it to move on and, and keep doing the work you're doing. But in general, just working with males as or male clients, it actually makes it easier for them. It was actually comfortable for them to talk to me and and as a more comforting way, like mm-hmm. not in like a mother like son thing, but it was more that they felt a genuine care coming mm-hmm. out of my voice or just me reaching out. I think it, it maybe comes from their own relationships or prior relationships that makes them feel more candid to share information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually found it much easier to talk to to men than I was expecting it to be. That's yeah. great. So we have a question from an active military person, actually. Yeah. Um, and he wants to know, what is the biggest hurdle you've observed when folks are transitioning into civilian jobs? And what are the most common misconceptions or discriminating factors that can be roadblocks to veterans getting hired? So it's, I think it's a couple things. Um, and I think for, for vets transitioning, it's, it's really that marketing, like how do you market yourself? So that's one. And then with, um, with like the difficulty of them uh, transitioning and assimilating back into the culture corporate civilian culture, um, I do think that there's still some unconscious biases and that's reflective on both parties. And when I say like unconscious bias, I think it's more that it's like almost like seeing an old lady crossing a street. Your intentions are, oh, she probably needs help. Mm -hmm. I should go there to help her because she's not paying attention or there's all these different reasons of why you're going to go out and help that person. So when you think about veterans, what we think about the media and how that really paints the picture of what a veteran goes through. There is enough movies out there to talk about, to show that there's PTSD from a vet who's served and may have gone to combat duty. Not all vets have done combat duty. Mm -hmm. So there's already these stereotypes that there, that, that I, I, it's true. The media does shape 
what our thoughts are. So if you've never had a friend that's a veteran, then you may not know what kind of person they are. Mm -hmm. So both folks, like either if it's a non-vet to a vet, there's this silence that they're not communicating. So instead of asking questions that could be genuine, like people are scared of offending one another, um, even though it could be tailored really well so that it's just a genuine act of understanding. Um, and then there's a level of fear of, of maybe the unknown that they have this impression of what that could trigger. So vice versa, I think people are scared of how if that could offend somebody or if some, something bad could happen from it. But I think that that's probably plays into why it could be a problem for a veteran to try to apply for a job after their service and transitioning is that they're so used to being told what to do. So their, their acts are just, you know, if they're uncomfortable, just tuck it, keep going and keep working hard and work with the people you have to. So you're forced into these conditions, but still have to be successful. When you go into the corporate world, it's totally different. So Mm -hmm. it may not even be about how hard you work, it could be how you present yourself. And it, it's really now about how they talk about their p- prior experiences and how what they've done or what they've done in the past transfers mm-hmm. over into a different, um, into this position. So it's really like trying to figure out how to connect those dots. But if you don't have exposure, what those careers are in the corporate world, it's really difficult to explain what you've done uh, in the military to translate mm-hmm. that over. So mm-hmm. it's really, uh, that's, don't really talk about themselves. They've never mm-hmm. been asked about who they are. Yeah. And they don't Unless get... they have a friend like me who asks them tons of questions. <laughs> <laughs> we need more Tatiana's. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah, it's probably annoying. But yeah, no, I have tons of questions. <laughs> yes. And that's, I think people are happy to answer them. Yeah. So it's good that you ask mm-hmm. um, because they'll answer for mm-hmm. sure. Cool. So, um, so the, this next question and the, the last listener question we have comes from someone in, who works in the tech industry. And I just want to say that just for some background, as I think it might help um, to answer the question in a more specific way. But she asks, how can I, in my everyday life, go out of my way to support those transitioning back to civilian life? Oh, that's a great question. I think a lot of folks want to help, but they just don't know how. And there are so many programs now for someone <laughs> like her experiences to help influence. So like I was explaining, like networking is not common. So they would never meet, meet your friend or meet your listener, uh, meet this listener because they would never know that she was interested in helping in the first place. Mm -hmm. So what would be great for her is to look, um, for opportunities like volunteer programs where she can actually give free advice. Hmm. Um, so at higher heroes USA, uh, we're multi-layered with our programs. <laughs> mm-hmm. The main service is helping vets with a resume. And when I when I talked about career counseling and mock interviews, the transition specialists can do it. But we have so many clients and maybe the fields that they were interested in, we don't have a background in. Like I could not talk to anybody about tech stuff. I would probably be the worst person and I would get a bad review for giving him advice. Mm-hmm. So we refer to a volunteer who has experience in the tech field and they will spend, I've seen our volunteers spend hours on the phone and then follow up. So they'll actually give them assignments of what they could be doing mm-hmm. to help, you know, build their understanding of the tech field. And so it's, it's that whole networking part where getting an insider telling you what to do. So what the skills that that person brings, she go ahead and, you know, volunteer and they'll match her with a, a mm-hmm. client um, and they can offer help. Wow. So, yeah. 
That's yeah, really easy. cool. Yeah. It is <laughs> it's easy it's, for her, right? It's like, <laughs> I just have to talk on the phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that concludes, I guess, the questions um, that I have and that the listeners have. So one question that I like to ask everybody at the end of each episode is, what are you looking forward to this week? And it totally doesn't have to be career related. <laughs> well, I'm in San Francisco and Yay. I'm not from San Francisco <laughs> and I came here specifically to see friends, actually to go hang out with my friend's uh, niece at her birthday party. She is four years old. <laughs> I really want to learn how to braid a fish tail braid and they have a braider at the party so that was the reason plus unicorn cupcakes so that really sounds like the best party ever that sounds super cute (laughs) i want to see photos of (laughs) (laughs) you and your with your braid and your cupcakes that is literally why i bought my ticket and it sounds like a hundred bucks to come out here like i'm coming to the birthday party (laughs) that's awesome So, um, I guess, uh, we could end if with anything you'd like to plug if, mm. you know, there's a website people should go to, if there's like places they should follow you guys on social media. Oh yes. So we definitely have Instagram and Facebook and all, all you can think of LinkedIn. Um, but you can go to our website. It's www.hireheroesusa.org. Uh, and you can look at everything. If a veteran is interested in joining our services, they could even register. Um, if they're not ready, they can check out our job board. You know, we're like, everything is up to the user and what they're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I work with vets, but I really care about just diversity and inclusion. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where my passion is. So global cultures plays in perfectly, you know, where you think realize and connect those dots. Yes. Like I went to school for this. <gasps> There's actually jobs that are geared towards this. So yeah. I realize with vets that they are part of that. They're all from different cultures, all different backgrounds. They yep. care about, um, you know, women causes, empowerment, refugees, immigrants. Like, we can all work together mm-hmm. and work for a cause and be um, economically self-sufficient and figure it out together. And innovation is my goal. Is like, how do we come together and take the best ideas and make these beautiful things mm-hmm. to help us in our world? So, that's lovely and makes me want to cry. Really? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to throw up just for a second. <laughs> Couldn't tell that was it. Like, too cheesy. But I really care. Sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, Jamie, thank you again so much for being on the show and for all of the awesome work you're doing. Oh, thank you for having me. This is such a great, like, t- I had a great time. You fed me. <laughs> I'm just talking. I had a cocktail. Everything's great. Everyone's relaxed. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) To learn more about Jamie and Hire Heroes USA, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we made for each episode. Tonight's recipe, as Jamie kind of mentioned, was <laughs> rosemary roasted chicken thighs with fingerling potatoes. That's our episode. Take care, everyone.